But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. Welcome back to the podcast. A podcast, if you've been a listener, has been recently called Value Adds Value, but it is now in the process of being changed to the ABCs of Inspired Teaching, which is um, a whole series of work that Wilkie and I have been doing over the past year or two um, in really putting our ideas into a couple different concrete forms to share them with all y'all. So this podcast you're listening to is um, a part of the process that we did to write our first book, which is coming out um, either late spring or this summer um, by the same name, where we're writing about 26 words that we think will help you be an inspired educator, help you breathe life into your kids. Um, And this one's believability, all about how to um, show up and be who you are so much so that kids believe in you and are willing to work with you. So we hope you enjoyed this. This is a conversation from about two years ago, 18 months ago for sure. Um, so you'll forgive the nasally and the sneezing and all that. Um, but we hope you enjoy it. And we look forward to sharing what else we got going uh, with you here going forward. Um, so I don't believe believability the quality of being able to be believed credibility the quality of being convincing or realistic the internet is overflowing with various conspiracy theories with extremely desperate levels of believability is the example the plot lacks believability in certain moments. Okay, so I'll just say. So I just wrote believabilities. Students see you for who you really are or who you want them to see. So you, you said doing? students. Students see you for who you really are or who you want them to see. Students believe who they see is who you are. That's the reason we said that's the next state. That that authenticity brings in that sense of believability from you presenting yourself again. Um, I remember uh, 
Mr. Osborne, uh, God, was it 10th or 11th? I think it was 11th grade language arts. Um, very polarizing figure. Um, older white gentleman kind of reminds you of uh, the Hamburglar kind of build, you know, and, and always talk like this real loud. And, and when he would walk in the room, he put on these theatrical shows for you as he was telling you what we're going to do today. And now, mind you, he's, he's a middle-aged uh, white man. Uh, we never did really know whether or not he um, was, uh, you know, gay or straight. Like, most of us kind of believed that he was gay, but it didn't really bother us. You know, like, it wasn't like an issue. Um, but regardless of that, he presented who he was. And he had an entire school, generations of schools, because he was at our school for a long time, who came in and students wanted to be with Mr. Osborne. Wanted to be with Mr. Osborne. Like, I remember... Um, the, the first time he had us read um, was, wasn't Romeo and Juliet. Um, one of the, I can't remember which play it was. It was a William, I think it was, was it Hamlet? It may have been Hamlet. <coughs> and when he started reading, he walked in the room, like quoting and reading one of the scenes from Hamlet so perfectly. That even if you, like, he didn't say, class, let's do this. We were in there doing whatever. And I remember him walking in. And immediately when he did that and he turned around, he said, now this is what we're going to read. Of course I want to read it. You just made an interest with that, speaking it like that. You know what I mean? And that sense of this is who I am made us believe in who he was as a teacher and trust him to be able to take us to where we needed to be as students. Does that make sense? He had nothing really that connected us together. You know what I'm saying? That he didn't live in our community, but he taught in that community. Because I know he taught my brother, who graduated in 85, my sister who graduated in 88, my sister who graduated in 92, and then me. You know what I'm saying? So you look at that span, like he was at that school for at least 20 years. Being who he was, you knew the reputation preceding. Wait till you get to Cashman, you get Mr. Osborne, man, you're going to love Mr. Osborne because he was who he, who he was. And we bought into it. And whatever he sold, we got it. You know, and... Yeah, I, I just think that when a lot of teachers don't view, well, I ain't worried about what they think about me. You know what I mean? And that's really almost dehumanizing if you really think about it. I don't care what you think about me. Says that I can do whatever I want to do and you don't have room to stand on it because I don't care. That's a lawless mentality. And a lot of us, I mean, and, I, and I'm guilty of it. I, I'm, I can't say I've never done it, where I've kind of went to that mindset of not so much the verbal or physical, but in my mind went to a place where like, man, 
You don't want to get it, you don't want to get it. I don't care. But our human nature is to care. Our human nature is to care. It's easier. It's easier to pretend that, I mean, and it's like any relationship. It's easier to pretend you don't care than to risk, you know, putting yourself out there. It's another example of putting yourself out there. And I Mm -hmm. think this is true, too. And I learned this lesson over the course of my career, but especially when I moved to Houston, you know, people were saying, like, figure out what works, figure out what works. Well, I should have just been myself. Because even though, like, me and those kids have nothing in common or had nothing in common when I first moved, it wouldn't have mattered. You don't have to you don't have to manufacture things in common with your kids to start the year. Mm-hmm. You show them who you are and then build those commonalities through the time you know them. And you got to remember this, we are going to have a common ground because as I told my kids, we're all human beings. We all need food, water, and shelter to survive. We all bleed. And eventually, we're all going to die. So we have a lot of things in common. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, I think when you start getting more on the molecular level, you find out that there's really not much difference between you and I at all. Genetic level either. So let's 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 get rid of the 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 idea that we're not alike because we're a lot more alike than what you want to give credit for and i told the kids i say when you hate on someone you're hating something about yourself that you see in them projecting yourself onto them Mm -hmm. i say and and the flip side is when you love people the people (coughs) you love is because you love you see something in them that you connect with, and that's what makes you love them. I say, so instead of saying somebody else needs to change before you stop hating them, you have to ask yourself the question, what part of my mind has to change before I can accept them? What part of me do I want to change that I can't, that I see in that person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back, you know, and, and we added this point when we were talking about authenticity or really, or, you know, your kids don't need to, your kids don't want you to be the same as they are. Mm-hmm. Like, they just want to see who you really are. And in the original presentation, these two things added up to equal that connection piece and i'm sorry if if you are not believable if your kids don't believe your motives if they don't trust your credibility i mean and that's a word that came up with that i mean because you have to have credibility you have to be credible you have to know what you're doing you have to have the credibility to be speaking as the authority in the room. Mm-hmm. And here's the funny thing. 
we just talked about this, and I know we're jumping at, we're jumping alphabets, uh, and I, but I have to say it. Um, <clears throat> even if you don't have strong credibility with your kids, you can receive a co-assignment from someone that is credible, and that co-assignment will start to move the needle of the credibility they have for you, and what they eventually want to do is see if you're going to meet it. And the moment you don't, you lost it again. Because co-assignments go a long way. Goes a long way when someone else just says, hey, guys, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, sha da 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 and then hold them to that expectation and say, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to see what you're talking about. Well, that's like, you know, the advice. Remember earlier in the school year, you were giving me advice because I had a, a small group of students who were being bad. And you gave me the advice of go to people in their group and not the ones you're having problems with and be so good with everyone else that those people, you know, can't, can't talk bad about you. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and that's another point where I am people like if a few students talk bad about me, like the other kids are like, no, that's not. That's not how Mr. K is. And that's like the best co-assignment you could ever have. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're talking about co-assignment, like you were saying with, who was the teacher you mentioned, Mr. Osborne? Mm -hmm. That's the best co-assignment you could ever want, is that kids know who you are before they even get to you. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny, <clears throat> leaving Mr. Osborne's room, everybody went over to another teacher who was uh, another white lady um, teaching nothing but African-American students. And you loved going to Miss Lazenby's room. And she was ELA again. I, I was a struggling reader all my life. Uh, I still have strategies and tools that I use that I've developed because of my struggling in reading. Um, but when 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 it's one thing to hear another teacher say, "Hey guys, give him a give him a chance." That that he's, he's a good guy. She's a good she's a, she's a wonderful lady. She's going to do this. But when you have student after student from generation after generation saying the exact same thing about a teacher, then that tells the other kids, you know what? I'm really curious about what's going to go on in here. You know what I mean? I'm really excited about what's going to take place. And I think that, um, man, that goes a long way. It goes a long, long, long way. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, we we know we were party to what happens when it goes the other way. <clears throat> right. That stuff was <clears throat> with you. And it took me a long time to, even though, you know, the negative thing, the, the most drastic of the negative things that were said about me were not true, but a lot of it was. And, you know, like, like you were saying earlier, I punted, like I punted caring. I punted reflecting on what was really going on because deep down, I didn't want to deal with everything that was happening in my life. Like, <clears> all <throat> the, you know, I, when I first got moved or, you know, was, basically told that they wanted me to go to a different school 
I never processed it. I never dealt with it. I just went out and had some fun a few weekends and kind of just stuffed it down there. And when I got to your school and things didn't go the way I thought they would, then things went side <coughs> things went sideways in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't all bad. You know, like when we saw Myra, like she mm -hmm. was in that first group. And there were plenty of kids who I had a really good relationship with, but you know, I didn't I didn't reach all of them because I wasn't I don't know how my kids could have believed me because I didn't even believe myself at that point. Mm. That's good. That's, and that's, you know, that's one of those real bitter pills to swallow when you realize <clears throat> I don't even believe in trusting myself right now. And again, it comes from a place where you have to fix you. You know, going back to authenticity, you know, that whole authenticity piece um, is big because when you know you're authentic, that authenticity gives you the value to be believed. I was talking with one of the teachers who used to sell rare coins, and he was explaining to me like a $3 coin that used to be in circulation in the United States. Like and that wasn't like that was its value was three dollars. Three dollars, yeah. And it was used to be to buy stamps. For that one three dollar coin, you could get um three sheets of a hundred stamps back in the days. But then when the prices of stamps went up, that coin became obsolete. They stopped making them. They didn't mint them anymore. So the ones that were in circulation were, were being kept in circulation, you know, kept out of circulation. And if you could put your hands on one now, it'll be worth more than $3. And so he was saying, like, you know, when you think about it, when you grab a coin and it tells you exactly what, what city or what plant it was, it, was, uh, it was shaped in, it was formed in, it tells you the exact amount of material that was used to make it. And he goes, and so. When, and when. And when. He says, so when you're holding an 1865 coin in your hand, that maybe you and only two or three, four of the people have touched because it it was put into circuit. It wasn't never put into circulation. The fact that you could, you know the story behind it, you know <laughs> that it's authentic, makes you believe it and understand why the value is where it is. Mm -hmm. And so, as educators, we have to be able to put ourselves out there to the point to where. We're so who we are that love me or hate me, you're going to believe me for who I am. I hope it's the, I hope it's the latter, that, that you love me. But, but, but regardless, you're going to love or hate me for being who I really am. You know, and, and a part of, I think, what we need to do, and maybe not just with this book, but, you know, talking about our messaging of, helping teachers become what their kids deserve overcoming vulnerability the fear of vulnerability has got to be one of the that's got to be one of our top markers because i mean is there probably a re is there maybe a bigger reason why people don't do it than the fear of being vulnerable 
the fear of actually being seen. Well, like you said, you didn't even believe yourself. The reality is some people don't really like who they've become. And they just don't have the 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 heart to or the stomach to to acknowledge that. And to swallow the pill of the work that it takes. To to become and but the crazy thing is that <clears throat> you're the only person who can fix you. You're the only person that can fix you. And you have to make sure in order to fix you, you have to know what's wrong with you. In order to know what's wrong with you, you have to constantly <clears throat> look in the mirror, of use that mirror of reflection to constantly study who you are, who you've become. Strip away all the, 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 the covers that you put on. Strip away all of the, you know, all the, the, the titles you put on to, to mask who you are. And I'm talking about that individual that was there before time. Who was that person? Uh. <clears throat> and when we do that, we oftentimes make excuses. Well, I lost my mom. I lost my dad. My brother molested me. My sister molested me. I my, had to move far from home. I had to move far from home. I didn't have any friends. Those are all covers that we put on to explain who we've become without understanding that we, if we're not where we want to be, if we're not the person we want to be, then go find that person and reveal them. As a teacher, it is so important that we find that person and like you said, believe that person. Find that person, believe that person, reveal that person. And when your students see that, when your students see that, then they'll be bought in. Then they'll be racing and running to your door when it's time to come to your classroom. You know, not because, oh, this is the greatest social studies lesson ever. No, it's because I'm coming into the presence of someone who's genuine and real. And everybody, I don't care who you are, wants to be around authentic people. Mm. I really believe that deep down inside. Everybody wants to be around authentic people. Mm. That's, I think that's a perfect spot to, to wrap it up. Thanks for checking out this episode, everybody, of the ABCs of Inspired Teaching. My name is Kyle Krieger, and along with my guy, Will Givy Law, we're so happy um, to share these, this new project and the other new projects we've, we've got going, and we're going to share them with you soon. So if you want to catch us, find us on um, Instagram, the ABCs of Inspired Teaching, and on YouTube as the ABCs of Inspired Teaching. So hope this message finds you well, and please reach out if there's anything we can do to support you. Have a great week.